This is Robert Mardlachi, the Mindshare Learning Port Canada's Learning and Technology e-magazine. And welcome to This Week in Canadian EdTech Mindshare TV, very special year in review edition featuring Canada's top 22 newsmaker of the year in EdTech, Dwayne Matthews. Reflecting on the year, it's been in a, perhaps a sneak peek into the world of EdTech for 2023. Thank you for joining me, Dwayne Matthews. Robert, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me on. My pleasure. A uh, little bit about Dwayne. He's a Director of Strategic Partnerships and Innovation at OVS. He's a sought-after keynote speaker, innovation evangelist, and future education strategist. Dwayne helps governments, school boards, independent schools, educators, parents, and students understand and create transformational opportunities for the future of education and work. Future of Education segment expert on Canada's National Breakfast Show. You often see him on TV and see TV's your morning and the Maryland Dennis Show. Dwayne is a proud dad and former educator at my alma mater, Toronto District School Board. And all of this is not necessarily in order because I think being a proud dad is top of mind these days while you're spending some quality time with your kids off school. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time with my son and my daughter. My, my son and I are doing a, a bunch of things in VR and getting outside and my, my, my daughter is just absolutely fantastic. And actually, uh, after today, we're, we're probably going to do a, a trampoline park and a little bit of outside activity as well. So I'm well, um, having a good that, time with them. Excellent. And to that point, we were talking about well-being earlier. It's been a, a highly discussed here at our workspace. Uh, uh, and getting out and balancing things, it's never been a greater opportunity. It's been a challenging year in many fronts. And uh, I'm playing hockey at 5 o'clock today. So I'm doing my well-being uh, thing to, you know, for my personal health. And, uh, but the year it's been, it's been, uh, the best of times and the worst of times and congratulations yeah. on being selected at one of the top 22 of 2022 newsmakers. And, and, and thank you very much for that. Um, I, I was, I was surprised and, you know, I know people say, um, you know, honored and humbled. Um, I, I was surprised and humbled for sure. Uh, so thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's been the best of times and the worst of times. I think there are a lot of really great things that happened. There are a lot of massive risks that have been exposed that we need to mitigate in 2023. But there are also a, a lot of opportunities that have prevented or presented themselves. And those opportunities, I think, are, are, are really going to become very urgent in 2023. And I think um, because of that, because of that, even though there's a there's a dark cloud looming um, in terms of economics and that sort of stuff. I go, it really does create this fertile ground for a lot of the opportunities to really blossom. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And one of your things is digital transformation and innovating and being where the kids are at. And, and talk to me about some of those tools that, that this past year have stuck in Dr. Steve Jordan's, uh, professor of uh, psychology at the University of Toronto. We've interviewed many times on our show. It's talked about the, the threat of the great snapback and teachers wanting to go back to the way it was. But they didn't all do that. I, I'm an optimist and there were some, but but some of the tech stuck. Yeah, no, I, I think um, some of the interesting things stuck and, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Dr. Jordan's. He's a great guy. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, and, you know, when he mentioned a great snapback, I think part of it is that and one of the, the, the natural things, not just in education, but with 
any kind of encumbered structure is stability and to maintain a status quo. And, and that's actually a good thing um, because it, it means that, you know, we don't live in a, in a world of chaos. However, there is a real drive and need for transformation and education. And what I found is you're starting to see students really leading a quiet disruption um, in this space. And, and, you know, we've seen that globally where students are really kind of driving forward um, quietly putting themselves in the learning seat to learn new things. And that's starting to scale. Once we see that hit about 15%, um, it, it, it's going to be a very dramatic shift and we're getting very close to that 15 Well, thank you for that. It's remarkable when you give kids agency and we're launching our Schools of the Future Student Innovation Challenge next month. And we pivoted from uh, a teacher challenge to a school challenge and giving kids agency, infusing the sustainable development goals. It's remarkable what problems they can help you solve within your own community. I, I, I agree 100%. I think, um, you know, if, if I were to break education into two parts, right? So the, the required sort of pieces, right? Future preparedness and, you know, credential acquisition. Um, a lot of students are looking at that part and thinking, you know, how best could I master that quickly but I'm really interested in some of the other urgent pieces in terms of solutions. So students have, have listened for the last three years, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And a lot of students are saying, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like to actually get in the game um, and, and, and create some opportunities. And I, I'm not really satisfied with the status quo of how things are. You know, there are a lot of employers saying, hey, a lot of students left. Um, when they, they got to work and then they left, they didn't like it. They didn't like the environment, but they're very, very driven to mission um, aligned or mission purposed uh, organizations. And so you're going to start to see that a little bit more, I think, in 2023, um, which is going to be a little bit different uh, for this downturn versus the other ones. Absolutely. Now, online learning has come of age during the crisis. It wasn't necessarily elegant, especially in elementary school, but Without it, uh, there would have been uh, almost zero learning unless you're shipping packages of worksheets to kids' homes. Yeah, and it, one of the things that I find is really interesting is if you are part of an incumbent where the status quo really works for you, um, all these kinds of changes, you have long conversations around, right? Is it good? Is it better? Is it a better substitute? You start thinking about substitution. So, uh, you know, a, a digital smart board versus an actual blackboard. You, you have these long conversations where people kind of get into camps, team online or team in person. But what I found is places around the world where they don't have those kinds of opportunities have really seen massive amounts of growth. You know, we have a, a partner in Azerbaijan that has 500 students in the last 36 months that are taking, you know, sort of Canadian courses um, through a hybrid kind of model. I, I go in, and that's actually quite fascinating. And it's driven really by, by the actual students. It's not driven by any masterful marketing plan. It's students saying to other students, hey, this is working for me. You might want to try it out. And so we're seeing an adjustment to online. I think the part of online that, that failed is synchronous was really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. Sitting in front of right. a screen for six hours, 
is very difficult if I'm watching my favorite show on TV, <laughs> never mind, um, you know, a, a teacher who is trying their best with a plain white wall. So I think once you start seeing some of these adjustments um, around the world, you're starting to see these little learning labs, as I call them, emerging all over, and they're really going to push the innovation in ways that even the innovation provider didn't think about. Very cool. Let's pivot to AI and AR. I, I, you know, I know that's your thing. I, I'm a big fan of augmented reality and infusing. Uh, I, I was on a website where Nemo Planet, where you can actually purchase these glasses in advance, where you won't have a computer any longer. It will be projected out into the space uh, in the yeah. future. So we haven't fully optimized. Uh, AI and 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 especially uh, around assessment as well. There's a lot of potential, but we're not quite there yet. So one of the things that I think is really interesting, and in the last month has gotten to be a really hot topic. So in 2017, I did a keynote and I, I talked about a a little company you might have heard of named Autodesk, and they had something yeah. called generative design. And generative design was quite exciting. It wasn't really ready for the mainstream yet. They've done a, a much better job at it, but it's still quite pricey. But somewhere around October, November, we started to see these gener generative AI programs. And the, the hot one right now is ChatGPT. Yes, um, which I was going to mention uh, that. Op that was, that's OpenAI. That's, that's actually quite Elon Musk. Um, it, 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 it's his, his doing um, and his team. And What's really interesting is while people are like, hey, here's chat GPT and what about assessment? I actually just saw a paper, published paper with chat GPT taking a bar exam and passing the bar exam. Um, wow. But there are Where was it when I was a student? I might have gone through. Right? Right? Like there, there are 170 uh, AI, generative AI companies that, that I know of that have received um, you know, investment for next year, everything from text to text, text to voice, um, search, uh, conversational. So I think next year, we're going to see a huge shift. And, and one of the big things, there's a, there's a gentleman that I know um, who lives in Europe, brilliant. And he said, um, hey, Dwayne, my mom just asked me to sign her up to ChatGPT. So ChatGPT went from zero to a million users in about 10 days, which is the fastest. Remarkable. Anything. And the ability for people to get really creative. So a lot of educators were having the conversation, you know, is it going to ruin exams? But then I'm seeing kids creating video games, people creating websites, people creating entire businesses in the last two weeks. So I think this is going to have a profound, profound change on the landscape of education because it's going to make a lot of things much, much more simple. You could literally have an army of teachers and an army of courses, and you can generate that in about two weeks. Um, so it's, 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 it's pretty profound, the shift that I think is going to come in the next 12 months. Fascinating. Really, the next best, best big thing after you know search, search engines like Google came along and disrupted education. And now ChatGBT is another classic example. Um, let's talk about um, let's talk about where things are going uh, in 2023 when it comes to educators and professional learning. Uh, you know, in my books, 
teachers were the heroes in the last couple of years. They've, you know, they've taken it on the chin in many ways. And, and now what's in store for them? Give us some hope for, for educators and how they could adapt to the evolving uh, role that they play. It's, it's no longer a stage on the stage or online for that matter. It's really about, you know, keeping the kids engaged in project-based learning and challenge-based learning, if you want to call it that, getting them outside. You can use a lot right. of tools. Talk to me about some of those opportunities that exist. I think one of the, the big pieces with educators is we're going to start to see a crop of creative educators that are going to be much larger than their school, right? So I, I've mentioned this before. Dr. Stephen Jordans is probably a canary in the coal mine. He has about 400,000 students um, around the world, um, and, and he's just the beginning. So I think you're going to start to see teachers that are excellent and have the reach. They're going to have a much wider reach. And at some point, some of them are going to start to realize, I am a school. Um, and so you're going to start to see those kinds of experiments. I think the other thing that you're going to start to see is that there's a lot of creativity to be had once you're mixing human intelligence with artificial intelligence and creativity with you know VR, augmented reality, and these things. These things are tools. And people have to remember it's a hammer, it's a screwdriver, and it doesn't necessarily mean you can build a fantastic house. The person that can visualize that house, the person that can think about where is the best place, is the kitchen going to be open, do we actually need a dining room, I need the pantry over here, and then they go out and get all the best tools that they have to build that house, that person is really going to rise to the top. And so I think there's a lot of excitement. There are a lot of teachers that would like to do a lot of creative things. They're sort of frustrated with the box that they're in. You know, some teachers think I'm going to be a principal and then I'll make a difference. And then they feel like, you know, the, they're still in the box. There are a lot of teachers. I, I was actually just connected with someone on LinkedIn who is a, you know, a great innovator. His name is Mike Yates. And he said, you know, I'm just going to focus on what are the really cool things in education and focus on my four kids. And then I'm going to share that with the world. And Amazing. I said to him, I go, I'm super excited to see what you do, because I think you will come out realizing, hey, maybe I'm a school and I can find a niche group of people that are interested in my personalized take on education. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. There is one of the biggest trends I think is going to happen that I'm excited for is there's going to be a much larger demand for alternative, affordable and public options, right? So there are a lot of parents who are, their kids are going into grade nine after a bunch of years in the pandemic and they want their kids to be in specialty programs. There's a long waiting list for specialty programs right. um, in the boards. And when I see a long waiting list, I see a solution waiting to be found. Um, there are a lot of parents that would like all these different options. And I think some, some teachers will look at this and realize, you know what, I, I can create an affordable option um, for parents or I can... I can create a new model. I think uh, the boards really need to sit down with the minister um, and they really need to focus on blue team, red team strategy um, because there's a huge amount of demand, I think, for parents that would like to have an alternative. Fascinating. Cyber security, cyber safety has uh, hit our radar more than ever before. Durham District School Board, 
was shut down for a couple of days. They got paralyzed even more so than COVID. Talk to me about some of those challenges and, and how to mitigate some of that going forward. Uh, what districts? And I, I think this is one of the biggest elephants in the room. This is not even one elephant. This is a herd of elephants. Um, you know, how could I put this bluntly? Um, many school boards are sitting ducks, right? They're, they're sitting ducks. Um, you know, they may not have a CISO um, with them, even if they do have a CISO, the CISO doesn't have a team. And by CISO, I mean cybersecurity officer. Um, the, you know, if, if you think of 90% of all cyber attacks come in through human error. So that means re-engineering through social media, um, phishing. And if you think of a, a school board, you're thinking thousands of people that have not been trained, thousands of people that are not aware. So there's thousands of entry points. And, and quite frankly, you know, an average person can go into the dark web with about a thousand bucks and launch a cyber attack on a school that has no defense and, and come away with hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I think this is one of the biggest challenges, being able to secure the supply chain in terms of awareness, in terms of cyber hygiene, in terms of protocol. Um, this is something I'm actually quite passionate about because I think that most of the schools, and you're going to start seeing it, a lot of the post-secondary education schools were hit. Um, I won't right. call them by name, but there are a number. There's a major cybersecurity attack every single day, and schools are are sitting ducks. Um, you know, I, I definitely think there's it is a, a multi-pronged problem, and it requires immediate attention like yesterday. Absolutely. Well said. And turning a negative into a positive, uh, ICTC has a Cyber Titan program, so educating students and parents and teachers and making them more cyber aware, uh, I think, is an opportunity and as a career pathway, isn't it? I mean, supply and demand, they can't get enough supply. So when you're looking at a down economic market, uh, you know, you need to consider career uh, careers that are in high demand. And that really speaks to uh, we can wrap it up, you know, talking about the importance of skills and being agile, agile learning uh, and agile learning spaces is something that we're passionate about. Talk to me about the importance of that and the design thinking elements going forward into 2023. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that I think is fascinating about design thinking is I know that the phrase was coined by Stanford. Um, university and they have, uh, you know, beautiful layouts. But if you watch a child engage the internet, um, they've actually created design thinking on their, their own. You know, children, if they want to learn something, they, they do a deep dive. They try to understand what's out there. They scan through the web. They start to define what it is that they want to do. They start to come up with ideas and they test their ideas back and forth. So students already do this when they go into sort of a formal um, Prussian style education model, um, it, it kind of gets stamped out because there, there's a curriculum that they have to follow, but students already do this. So enhancing students' ability to do that and being able to recognize those skills is gonna be important. And I think the recognition of credentials is something that you know we're gonna have to sort out because it is a choke point. Like right now, you have to have a post-secondary or, or, or secondary institution. But what I think you're gonna find is more corporate entrance into education. 
And that corporate entrance is going to apply a significant amount of pressure on, on uh, bigger education institutions. So the top tier brands of education, they'll survive. The UFTs, the Waterloo's, they'll survive. The, the polytechnics and the, the colleges, I'm actually really bullish on them. I think they will really thrive in this environment. The Absolutely. mid-tier brands, the mid-tier brands, boy, if I was them, I, I would be spending a lot of time on strategy trying to figure out how do I, I ward this off because they're going to get squeezed out if they don't make um, adjustments to the model. And, and that, that'll start to become very obvious in the next 24 months. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And the, and the role of ed techs, I mean, ed tech uh, sector exploded uh, in the last couple of years, massive investments. We're seeing a lot of M&A pent up activity for 2023 happening. What are your thoughts on that? So I think there's a couple of things that are going to happen with EdTech. You know, EdTech really came out and they were focused on teachers, right? And the challenge was focusing on teachers is that the teacher d- is really far removed from the person who writes the check for the board. So while they're doing pilots with school after school and the teachers are like, this is awesome. It has to go past the principal, past the superintendent and up the chain to a place where most teachers don't know. Most teachers don't know who the CTO of of a board is Mm -hmm. and they don't know who makes that decision so they'll say yeah this is great and you know there's a real problem with edtech growing there but where edtech has really grown is when they've gone directly to the student so if you think of i think wise prep is a great example i I think it is something like 200 percent growth um i think a paper which is a a company that that you know quite well them well Um, they were one of our massive edtech company of the year award winners right massive massive growth apply board which is you know, a Another $3 billion dollar company. company that most people haven't heard about, massive growth because they've gone directly. Apply Board is like a free model for students. Um, you know, Wise Prep is, a, is, a, is a, a very cheap, affordable model for students. Um, you know, and even with us, with OVS, right? Like we, we've seen massive amounts of growth by going directly to the student and providing those students with opportunities. So I think anywhere between free and affordable um, is, is really gonna see a lot of growth in EdTech. And I think you're going to see some companies by design or by force, they're going to have to turn and focus directly on parents and students and find really interesting models to do either freemiums or low cost models. But a lot of the big ideas going to the boards and hopefully getting through and being you know, one of a thousand vendors trying to get through to teachers is, is going to be a very, very steep and difficult hill to climb. And you're going to see a lot of companies pivot. Um, that way. And that's where you see a significant amount of disruption because there's less gatekeepers. It really just comes down to, do you have a compelling value proposition to help students? Well, thank you for that. It's about staying relevant and uh, uh, coming back to that simple toolbox that you talk about and using the right tool at the right time, having just project managed my kitchen rental that was well long overdue because of supply chain challenges and perhaps my naivety and uh, contractors, um, we got it done. But, uh, you know, and you get it done every day with your passion and insight. Uh, Dwayne Matthews, thank you so much for, for this and all the best for 2023. Thank you very, very much um, for, for having me on. I'm, I'm really looking forward to 2023. I, I think there's a, a lot of bumpy road ahead, but I see a, a significant amount of blue skies and, and a lot of opportunities. I hope other people see that as well. Um, and thanks a bunch for having me. Happy New Year and, and have a great 2023.
Awesome. Dwayne Matthews, uh, Director of Strategic Partnerships and Innovation at OBS, Innovation Evangelist and Future of Education Strategist. My name is Robert Marlacci of the Mindshare Learning Report. Be sure to check out WWW Mindshare Learning to get your latest issue. And until next time, stay healthy, stay safe, and Happy New Year, and all the best for 2023.